Welcome to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. We're in St. George doing a series of podcasts, and the guests on this podcast are a married couple, um, Reese Jacobson and Kyle Jacobson. Welcome to the podcast. Thank, Thank you. you. These are two men that I've known for a couple years. Um, they've been to a couple of my events, and um, Kyle helped film a couple of our events that then we put on YouTube at Listen, Learn, and Love. You can go to the YouTube link and see some of our prior events. This couple is in a same-sex marriage. They've been married about three years. They're both return missionaries in their early 30s. Um, Reese is a graduate of Dixie College. He is, um, right now, his profession is um, sayer profession. I teach elementary special education. That's right. I can't read my own <laughs> my own notes here. And Kyle is a graduate of Utah State. Um, they spent time together. And tell us about your career right now. Right now, I am just started a, a small business doing videography and photography for like events and families and stuff. And you tell us your website. Uh, Memorykite.com. All right. We've got to put a little plug in there for you. <laughs> Thanks. Um, if you're in the southern Utah area or wherever, I don't know where your reach is, reach out to yeah, Kyle. Pretty much all the way up to Salt Lake and all, all the way the, down to Vegas. So There you go. Mm -hmm. And um, obviously this is a story about both these men served missions, Kyle in Moscow and Reese in Ventura, California. Some ask, well, why would I have two people living outside the doctrine of our church on the podcast? Am I sort of saying this is the way to do it? And I, 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 what I'm trying to do here is just to let Reese and Kyle share their stories. Every story is valid. And there's lots of ways to sort of live life off the covenant path, so to speak. And um, these two men have decided to do it this way, and they're worthy of our love and support. And we hope that they do the very best they can in society. And I hope your marriage succeeds. Thank you. I would want, <laughs> I would want every marriage where two people come together and make vows to each other and, and want to support each other. I would want all those marriages to succeed. And so I don't secretly hope your marriage fails somehow. Um, and I hope that you're able to support each other in your life. But for active Latter-day Saints listening, this is a story about these two good men making their way forward in their life the best way they know how, and also how their active LDS families are supporting them, especially as they found each other and decided to be married. We'll talk about what their family did um, in that situation. Is that okay for an introduction? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, let's just, Kyle, let's have you tell a little bit of your story. Talk about when you knew you were gay and when you started to come out and share that with other people? Well, I had signs since I was like 12 thinking that I could be gay, but it was one of those things where I so denied it to myself that I wouldn't let myself go there. And what I'd always tell myself is this is just a huge temptation that I struggle with. And I was a very, very strongly believing member of the church um, very much, I don't know, I was one of those, um, members of the church who like had every, um, apostle's name memorized and their careers and just, and knew my scriptures backwards and forwards. I just, um, it was, it was really kind of as a way to make up, I guess, for the fact that I was struggling with this. And so, and I didn't really start to come to terms with it until I was interviewed for my mission because I just kind of 
pretended like it wasn't there and then had to actually face it. And I actually didn't tell anybody until I was in the MTC. That's when I finally told a priesthood leader about my struggles. And then he, and I thought I was going to go home, but he said, no, the Lord still wants you to serve a mission. And so suddenly it was like a real decision, like right on the spot. It was only a couple of days before leaving out to the field in Russia and I was scared to death suddenly thinking, oh, I thought I was going to be able to get out of going to Russia <laughs> and all of a sudden I have to decide whether or not to go. So it was like this really intense, but very spiritual moment of realizing like, yes, the Lord wants me to serve a mission and wants me in Russia. So I went and, um, shortly after my mission, I just had a really strong, it was very clear prompting, almost like word for word. I could hear in my head from the spirit saying it is time to come out to your parents. It's time to tell them. And so I didn't want to, and I kind of dragged my feet for a couple of weeks and told my sister so that she kind of helped push me to tell my parents. And she came over with her husband and held my hand while I wow. sat down and told my parents and scariest moment of my entire life. <laughs> Nothing has compared ever since. <laughs> so, so, how did that go? It went really well. Luckily, my parents at that time were in a very loving space. And like my mom had just gone through um, a really scary time in her life where she had liver disease and she had this really deep spiritual experience where she was basically answered in prayer when she asked why she had this disease that she, one of her lessons was to learn how to love as Christ loves and that she wasn't learning that lesson. So if she wasn't going to learn it, it was time for her to go home. And so she, wow. Uh -huh, so she was like, okay. And she promised that she'd go learn the true meaning of, you know, what it means to love as Christ loves. And then she miraculously got better. And so she had done all this work on learning how to love as Christ does. And so that was the space where my parents were at that time. And they, when I came, told them, they obviously were really shocked. They, it was the last thing they thought I was going to say, but then they just said, well, Kyle, thank you for telling us. And we love you no matter what. And like my dad bore his testimony to me about families and how happy he's been with his family. But he said, but we will love and support you no matter what you choose to do with your life. And that was like the best reaction they could have done because it just eased this huge burden and fear that I had. I was very clear with them. Well, I don't want to live a gay lifestyle. That's why I was like told them. I'm like, I don't want to be gay. <laughs> I want to fix this is what I was saying because that was the space where I was at the time. But they didn't even really care about that. They were just wanting to make sure that they knew I loved that they loved me. So thanks. Thanks mm -hmm. for serving a mission in Moscow. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know the hardest mission to the easiest mission, but that seems like a pretty tough place to serve. It was a, yeah, it was one of those pretty tough ones. My brother served in France and it sounded like that was also pretty tough. So, so I think it just depends on where, <laughs> where it is that you go, but thanks for your service oh, thank and you. what you've done to help people um, with your with especially with your mission yeah, tell us we'll kind of do these in parallel and we'll bring you together maybe when you get married as your stories merge mm -hmm. so reese you and you guys are both from southern utah laverkin mm -hmm. for kyle who we just heard from reese tell us your story all right well um i don't know if i ever really had a moment where i i knew i was gay i feel like and people ask all the time when did you know 
And uh, the answer I would say is it just it just was a, a natural development, just like a heterosexual person would know that they were attracted to uh, the opposite uh, sex. And so I I could never like pinpoint it. I didn't wake up one day. I didn't um, see something or experience something that that led me down this road. I feel like it was just a, a, a very natural uh, thing for me that took place um and so because of that i don't i don't think i ever really considered it like a big struggle until perhaps after my mission i don't remember really having big issues on my mission with it um never even talked to a priesthood leader about it till after my mission um and then 2011 I I went away to Florida for a little while to do a an internship down there and and I think being away from family and away from the kind of the for lack of a better word away from the church I was able to to kind of experience and um try things that that had always been kind of a natural gravitational pull for me I suppose and realize, okay, I think I am gay. I think, I guess that must have been it then. Um, and experienced a couple things there in Florida, but realized that that was having a, a great effect on my on my relationship with my family that knew. And so I was determined to, when I came home from Florida, um, repent and get my temple recommend back and, and really, um, work toward being on that path. Still the, the Mormon path, find a woman to marry all that. Um, and so I tried, I tried going on dates. I tried having girlfriends and it never, ever really quite worked. I, followed bishops councils to you know attend the temple weekly and uh, i served faithfully as a as a elders quorum president and um ward mission leader like up in up in the leadership of my young single adult wards and and things never went away things never got any easier uh eventually just gave up on dating in general um but i also immersed myself in in blogs written by uh, Latter-day Saints who were either who identified as gay or having same-sex attraction to parents of children who were gay. And I came across a blog post written by Lisa Fry and um, she shared her story about her son and I, that was when I knew it was time to, to come out, to be true, to, to become authentic. And fr from reading her story, I then wrote a email to my family and close friends and sent it to them right after the halftime show of the Super Bowl in 2015. So, <laughs> and then pretty much the rest is history from there. That's when you know, the doors were opened and I got to where I am today. 
And we're tell our listeners whose home we're in right now. We are actually in Lisa Fry's home right now. So <laughs> it's actually been really cool that she's just uh, uh, someone who indirectly, but also directly changed my life. And, and it's just, it's just very cool. She's someone I look up to a lot. Tell, um, how did your parents respond? Uh, initially it was, it was hard for them, but they responded with love. They, they were, my mom expressed that she was worried that my life was going to become more challenging than it had already been. Um, they sought counsel from their priesthood leaders on how to, how to respond and react. And, and thankfully those priesthood leaders, you know, encouraged them to be, continually loving. And I don't think they would have ever not been loving. They've always uh, wanted me around. They haven't been afraid to have the the difficult conversations to, to just make sure that we're more so on the same page and, and to help them gain an understanding than trying to convince me to live differently. Um, thank you for your mission and your service as an elders corn president ward mission leader and all you've done to help people come unto Christ, both of you. And I assume you've had some of those same callings, Kyle, and have served in your YSA ward. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I admire you coming out. Um, everybody's coming out story is a little different. You know, one's face to face with your sister and, you know, with your parents and one's an email no one's ever told me a story like that, Reese. An email after the super, halftime of the Super Bowl. <laughs> was there something that happened during the uh, halftime? Was this was I, it, was it the actual halftime Super Bowl program um, that sort of said, "I got to come out now"? The, well, the Katy Perry. And <laughs> ironically enough, <laughs> immediately before on Super Bowl Sunday, I was the ward mission leader, and um, the missionaries who were also the assistants to the president down here uh, called and said, "Hey, we need someone." you know, as an emergency to, to do splits with. So I went with them that night, but I knew that I was sending my email that night. My email had been written for a while. And, uh, and so I went out with the missionaries that night and, you know, afterwards went to my parents' house, watched the halftime show who it was Katy Perry. And she, (laughs) I joke, but she literally, you know, exited the stadium on a shooting star (laughs) and, (laughs) I thought that was rather poetic because then I went home and pressed send on my email. So, um, when I ever send an email that kind of is vulnerable and requires this response of somebody, then they're in this this window where you're just like waiting. Um, I assume you were just kind of waiting to see how people would respond. I actually, or did you just close the computer and say, I'm not <laughs> going to look at this for 12 hours? Well, in my email, and I, I think I actually took it from um, from Lisa's story, and I think that is what another thing that provided me comfort is that I just requested that after I broke the news to everyone, I was going to close my laptop, turn off my phone, because I wanted to provide everyone the chance to process and and not react, um, immediately. So that's what I chose to do. I would kind of peek every once in a while, but I didn't respond to anyone. Um, and then, and then that included my parents, but my parents responded with a text that said, you know, we love you. 
come on over after work tomorrow and we'll talk. And that was terrifying, but uh, it was, <laughs> but I think it was what I needed. And I think it's also what um, some of my family members needed as well. Just, I think most people in that kind of case can, can tend to be reactive and I didn't want any words or anything to be done or said that any of us would regret later. I love that. I That's really very thoughtful, Reese. And I love that in a way you're protecting the, the family and your goal in coming out is not to divide the family, neither of you. Your goal is to be, creep the family together. And I love that you said that you had written that email for quite a while um, and just felt it was time to send it. And then I... Th and I like the idea that you probably realized they need to communicate amongst themselves a little bit and process it because you've been processing this for years. Tell us about then going and meeting with your parents. Oh, um, I feel like I should remember it better than I do. I do remember going to their house and we sat in, in just the front room. Of course, they hugged me and and all of us were emotional. Um you know, but they just encouraged me to, to be smart and, um, they, they just, I do remember that they just continually reaffirmed that they loved me. And I think, you know, of everything that was said there, that's really the only thing that I, that I really remember. Maybe that's so, all you needed. And I've yeah. met your parents and, and before we went live, both of these men talked about their families in very loving ways, their parents. So this isn't just like they're doing this on the podcast just because <laughs> it's the nice thing to say, but I just recognize both sets of your parents have done a really good job of just, you know, parenting, loving, whatever the right words are, keeping the family circle, I think is the goal. And so I really love right. that. Um, do you have anything you want to share at this point, or do you want me just to keep asking questions? Um, and maybe a question would be, what advice do you have for parents, um, LDS parents, um, as their if a kid comes out? Kyle, let's ask you that question. We'll then see if Reese has some thoughts. Well, I really, and like talking about this email that Reese said that he sent to um, his family, that is a really, really smart way, especially if you aren't sure how your family is going to react. If you have a good idea or like for me, for example, like I wasn't in the same place Reese was when I came out to my parents. Um, mine was very much a, I'm afraid that I might be gay, but I don't want to be, and I want this, you know, struggle of mine to be gone. Basically, you know, I want my same sex attraction to be gone. That was the space that I was in at that time. And, um, after that went to support groups, I went to the support group evergreen. That was kind of, you know, they, it was very underground. People didn't know about it unless you remember of it, but they would, the church basically would send, um, missionaries, usually like senior couples to kind of, um, what's the word facilitate those meetings for evergreen. And it was basically a support group for local um, members of the church who had same gender attraction to meet together and just talk about our struggles and what we can do to improve ourselves. And, and I went initially thinking, Oh, they're going to have the way to fix this. You know, they're going to have the answers 
And so I was really excited to go. And it was like that constant just waiting for them to finally give me that answer. Like, how do I overcome this? How do I overcome this? There's got to be some scripture, something that some one of the brethren have said, you know, some answer. And there never was. No matter how many meetings I went to, it was always the same thing. It was more like a spiritual thought to uplift us and let's try to do better this next week. And so um, and then went back to school in Logan and joined the group up there at the LDS Family Services Center. And it was the same thing. And finally, a friend of mine, I had met a friend there. Um, we both had become pretty close as friends. And he and I both just kind of said, you know, why are we even coming to this anymore? I really feel like we're not really getting anything anymore. Like it's just kind of, you know, so we just decided, I mean, we were still very much in the church, but we thought this isn't just clearly not getting us where we want to go as far as our gender, our same gender attraction. And so we went and started looking into things like journey into manhood and like conversion therapy or reparative therapy. I don't know. Everybody has a different name for it, but, um, and we went down that road. So did that for, I went to one camp in Florida or he and I went together. Um, and it was like a three day journey into manhood camp. And got a lot of great things from it that I still use in my life. But as far as the attractions go, they didn't go away. None of that got fixed or anything. Um, The whole goal of it was to minimize. They told us at the very beginning, your same gender attraction is not going to go away. You're going to have it, but you're going to be working on it the rest of your life. So it's like a way to kind of lessen it and lessen it and make it to the point where you can make it work. You can make a heterosexual marriage work is basically what the whole thing was and that um so the whole goal was to increase an attraction to women and kind of minimize as much as we can our attraction to men and i worked on that for a while um didn't see any improvement i found myself kind of suppressing my sexuality in general and it just i started feeling like i didn't know how healthy that was i felt like i was just ready to i don't know like almost felt like i was resigning to being a monk and i just didn't like that like that's just how i personally felt i know there are people that go on those paths and i totally understand and respect and think it's awesome that people go down that that path that choose it um that just i was realizing that wasn't what i wanted and so how long of a time period was that from when you until i don't until sort of the end of sort of you know suppressing or dealing with and just sort of the acceptance this is who i am and um because i like the way you frame that up that you thought at first when you went to that evergreen meeting that there would be a formula for you to be straight yeah i really and did it seems I was like at the end of this journey like your conclusion was there's no formula to make me straight mm-hmm. well and people would like allude to that and some people would say you know you realize that there's no cure for this right that this is just something we're going to have to work on our whole lives like in those support groups i'd hear that a lot and i'd kind of like brush it off to the side i'm like no there's got to be a way there's got you know that you know um nephi said in the book of mormon that you know god gives no commandment unless he provides a way to you know and so i just kept thinking there's got to be a way to be straight <laughs> so, but i finally had to just accept that that wasn't going to happen for me and so and at that point, were you still committed to the church or was that? Yes, so- I still was committed to the church at that point. So it really became a question of what am I going to do with my life now? 
And it really became a question that I kind of sat on a shelf for a while and just thought, I'll get to that. You know, I'll just keep going to Institute and being in the Institute choir and, you know, going to church and fulfilling my callings and going to school. And then, you know, when I feel like I need to face this question, I will. Um, but, you know, seeing all my friends date and get married and leaving and people graduating from college and just realizing like my life's going to just suddenly come to a halt if I don't figure this out. And that could get really scary for me. Like I could see myself heading towards a wall and I realize I really need to figure this out before I get, approach that wall. So, so that's when I started really just prayerfully. I still remember where I was. It was in Adams Park in Logan. I prayed and had a notepad out to listen. I just sat and listened to the answers and I wrote down as I felt the spirit speaking to me. And, and it was a very kind of open answer. It wasn't uh, this is what you should do. It was very much, you know, you were meant to come here and make this decision on your own. And, um, and I will love you no matter which one you choose but that in this life I would be most fulfilled if I married a man. It, it, well, so it kind of basically said that there's the pros and cons to each pathway, basically, you know, and it's what, what it is that I want, but that as far as be, feeling fulfilled in this life, that being married to a man is the one that I'd feel the most fulfilled in this life. And so I just kind of sat with that and thought for a long time and realized how scary it would be to actually like, decide to start dating guys and to get married to a man. Cause I realized how much people would not appreciate me anymore, but I started real, I don't know. The thing that came, this, um, the example that came to a head for me was thinking back on my mom having her kitchen. She had this wallpaper that somebody else, a friend of hers had picked out for her saying it looked beautiful and she should put it in her kitchen. And she was a little hesitant about it, but she's like, well, my friend says it's beautiful. So she had it put all over her kitchen and she hated it from then on. She's just like, ah, oh, I just hate this kitchen because it just wasn't, you know, the wallpaper she wanted. And so, <laughs> and so then one day she just realized, you know, this is my kitchen. I have to live in this kitchen every single day. Why am I letting other people decide what's put up on my kitchen? And so, and so she had the wallpaper torn down and then decorate it the way she wanted. And I, and I realized that that's what I was doing. I was choosing between letting other people decide what I do with my life versus what is it that I want to do with my life? Like, what is it that I know will make me the happiest? Cause I'm the one that has to live it every day. And other people just kind of glance as they kind of walk by in them along my path. So I, that was the moment that I realized, okay, I'm going to do this cause it's what I feel like is for, is a decision for me, if that makes sense. It does. So I love your thoughtful prayer in Adams Park. I don't know where that is in Logan, in yep, Utah yeah. State. It's over by the elementary school there, kind of um, in the middle of town. <laughs> and I just, you know, my feeling about personal revelation is I just honor your personal revelation. I don't, my personal revelation doesn't give me the ability to judge your personal revelation. Mm -hmm. um, so I just leave that at the Savior's feet. Yeah, I, as I said at the beginning of this podcast, I, if I were your YSA bishop in Utah State, <laughs> I would invite you to stay and live the teachings of our church. But mm -hmm. if you felt your path was different, I'd, I'd say I'll walk with you on that path. You've got to kind of chart that. I'm not going to say go down that path, but if you feel like that's your path, I'll walk with you. And I want to keep you in, I want just to, 
I want to walk with you. The visual in my mind is I'll walk with you. I'll, su- I'll support you. I'll be your friend. I'll help you make the very best decisions you can make as just an advisor on the path that you choose is best for you. And I'll just leave all that at the Savior's feet. Mm-hmm. So that's the way I kind of navigate this space. And um, yeah, I, I, I could say you've been deceived by Satan. I could say you've given up, you've weak. I probably won't say that. Mm-hmm. I I could, <laughs> maybe it's true, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's fair for me just to say that. I just, I'm not sure that helps um, the thoughtfulness that you've gone under, the, the thoughtfulness that you've undertaken to understand the path for you. And I just, I, I recognize the scripture, Nephi, nevertheless, I do not know the meaning of all things. And I'll just leave this at the Savior's feet. And mm-hmm. and I, on one level, I recognize the need for companionship and someone to share your life with. And, and so it's, you know, I recognize how difficult that is a big ask. Um, and I'd ask you to do that if I were your wise, say, Bishop. But if you felt like you couldn't, I'd, and I'd want to keep you close to God as much as I could. Mm-hmm. Um and keep you just in a really good emotional spot so you don't get angry and bitter and maybe make really bad decisions. Yeah. Neither of you guys are alcoholics, are you? <laughs> no. <laughs> Neither of you guys are hooked on heroin. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're both. And so I recognize that the numbing that you may need if I add to your burden, you may turn to stuff just to numb the pain that I may generate in your lives if I reject you. Mm-hmm. And so I think to and that's why I sense you've done a really, that's why I didn't think you were alcoholics <laughs> and hooked on heroin because I sense you're really high functioning members of society with a lot to give. And I feel like people don't, a lot of families don't realize how vulnerable they can make their family members if they reject them like that. Um, and I've no, I personally noticed the healthiest people that I've seen, no matter what life they're choosing, the healthiest people have a, huge support system and are loved by their family. It's like a huge one. And so whether or not they're in or out of the church, those relationships are really important. So do you want to share this part of your story? Is there for you, Reese? I mean, Kyle kind of said this part of his story is a little different than yours. Maybe just working to be straight or Mm -hmm. accessing support organizations or did you kind of just skip all that so i i never did i never uh went to i never saw like a a therapist i never went to a support group um couldn't tell you why i just didn't feel like those things were were for me um one of the big reasons i i chose to finally come out was that I felt that I had reached a point in my life where I had, had almost plateaued. Um, as a college graduate, I was established in my career. I was living completely independently um, from my from my parents, and I, you know, kept coming back to you know what's next, what's what's my next step, and, and you know it was mentioned just a minute ago like companionship. Companionship was was what was next for me. And I knew that that companionship was not going to come and take the form of a woman. Um, and so reaching that point in my life, I, that was a big determining factor in, in choosing to, to finally come out. It came out when I was 26. So a little bit later than some, but, um, and I don't know. It was coming out yeah. pretty close then for you saying, I, I'm going to start dating men. 
I, I started dating very shortly after coming out. Mm-hmm. And so that's different than your story, Kyle, where yeah. you went through this period of time. Yeah, it was of... a few years where I was trying to to basically um, get to the point where I could marry a woman in the temple. That was what I wanted more than anything at that time was being able to marry a woman in the temple and have a family. That was really important to me. Will each of you talk about the darkest time emotionally in your life? <laughs> when that occurred and hmm. and maybe there hasn't been that's a good question I don't know how much it relates um, well I remember when I was in Florida and and trying to really figure out uh, who I was and the feelings that I had and the the tendencies that I had. Um, and after kind of initially coming out to my family there, that was very difficult because I felt finally in a way free, but also on the other hand, I was also receiving a lot of of guilt in the form of of just fear about what my family was doing, thinking how they were reacting from across the country. Uh, I remember that being a a very, very difficult time for me and which eventually led to me um, stepping back onto uh, the LDS path, Um, reclaiming that, realigning myself to that way of life. For a period of time. Correct. How about you, Kyle? Were there really dark times for you? My, the dark. There were two times that were the darkest for me. One as a teenager before my mission. Um, I really struggled as far as my self-worth because I was attracted to men, was in denial of it, um, had just really, really struggled. Um, and... There were times when I wanted to tell somebody so bad, but just felt like I couldn't. I felt like there was nobody I could turn to because I thought I didn't know anybody who was gay. I thought it was like the worst thing you could be at the time. I thought that's how how it was. And so I really just felt like it would be like ending all my reputation to everybody if I told anybody about it. And so um, and then right after my mission, um, Russia their culture is very different than here. Um, they're a lot more kind of closed off publicly and they don't really open up to somebody until they get to know them. Unlike here, people are very like polite up front and really friendly up front and Russians would call us loud and kind of rambunctious and laugh too much and smile too much. And so, and so over there, and I saw a lot of, awful things while I was there too, like watched people die and just things like that. And so there was a lot of kind of darkness that followed me from my mission. And I was very different when I got home. My parents were kind of concerned about it and I went to a really dark place and, um, basically started plotting for myself a way of leaving my family and going and being gay. And this was before I came out to my parents And I just, I really, for the first time in life, started thinking about that possibility of just leaving them behind. I don't want to face them knowing that I'm gay 
and just go and see what that's about. And so luckily I was saved from that. <laughs> but but yeah. Um it was What would you say to your younger self, your 18, 19 year old self now at 31 or two? Um what I would say to my younger self is you have no idea how much better life's gonna get. I really didn't think life could get good for me back then. Like I'd, I'd think that, you know, if I were to die, I wasn't going to go to celestial kingdom and it just, this darkness followed me everywhere. I went. But if I had known that life was just going to get, um, better started with the MTC. It started with kind of, um, dedicating my life to God while I was in the MTC and I read, read the book of Mormon all the way through from cover to cover and just kind of had this coming to God experience. And I kind of forgot about that right after my mission, but then was reminded of it. Um, thanks to special circumstances with my, the thing that the lesson that my mom had learned about Christ-like love that really helped me start to look at that for myself. And that's what led me to realize, um, that I needed to come out to my parents, but yeah, I would just say, just hang in there. You don't realize how good it's going to get. And it's going to be totally different than you, <laughs> than you think it's going to be. Bruce, gonna love any it. things you'd say to your younger self pre-mission? Um, as Kyle was just saying that, I was thinking, I don't know if I would have done anything different um, in my story. I, I, appreciate that the that living within the church had had given me and not that I'm undisciplined now but I feel like the church gave me kind of uh structure and discipline that propelled me through these foundation those foundational young adult years of of becoming independent and things like that and so I I feel that my my coming out was was perfectly timed um and you know if i i guess if i had to to say something to you know 18 year old reese it would have been you know just just trust yourself and um and continue to stay close to your family and i think that that has made all the difference one of i'm in a parent group <clears throat> And maybe even though you guys aren't parents, I think you're in the same group, one of you, Kyle. It's mm -hmm. a parent group of, of LDS parents of LGBTQ kids. And um, there's a lot of uncharted territory for those parents. Um, one is if your kid, their child feels like their path is not to stay in the church and they start dating, same-sex dating. And there's a lot of fear of how to navigate their children to do that if if that's the reality of the situation because they a lot of parents they really want their kids to be safe and healthy and dating opposite gender can be challenging at times even with two active lds people mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so it's kind of a discussion obviously you're probably not having in church <laughs> you know how do i Maybe you are. I I haven't heard that discussion in our ward, and I I just realized that a lot of parents are looking for advice. Any thoughts um, 
because you guys stayed pretty healthy. Um, as for, as I mean, there's lots of ways to do this. You could go to the club scene and, you know, mm-hmm. and sort of find multiple partners in that world or go to the big Metro city or, I mean, any just thoughts on that as you're giving advice to parents to help? Cause they do have this desire to keep their kids safe. Even mm-hmm. if they are going down this road of trying to find a same sex partner. The, I have an actual experience uh, that would be good, for, uh, very appropriate for this, but I'll just start it out by saying that probably the most important thing you can do is to keep them close to you. And I don't necessarily mean like physically close, like don't let them move to some other town, but I mean, just like keep them, keep an open line of communication. Never, ever let a difficult issue keep you from talking to them. You may need your space to like figure things out, but never let that create a barrier between the two of you. Uh, That really easily can happen, especially when there's a really difficult topic that you're both, that you're dealing with and just kind of want to avoid it or not think about it. But Um, and the reason why I say that is because I had an experience with my mom that when I was, it was kind of halfway through dating, I had this really serious boyfriend at the time and we had been dating for about three months at this point. And so, and I brought him over and stayed and we stayed at my parents' house and that's already complicated because for an LDS family to have a same-sex couple in their home, you know, sharing the same room that's can make any LDS parent uncomfortable. And so, and I, at that time, I wasn't sure exactly where my mom was with everything yet because she'd been so loving and supportive and, and everything. And then suddenly I do that and she was just so mad. She just, and I could kind of tell, but, um, and I should have stopped and thought about that before I, um, shared a room with my boyfriend. I should have just, you know, asked her first if that was okay at least or just known that that was not okay for her but um i I was um we were gonna go to church with my parents and while i was ironing my clothes my mom was just kind of fuming in the kitchen (laughs) she was just not happy and finally she turned to me she's like kyle i am not okay with this (laughs) and she pointed to the bedroom she's like i am just not okay with this this is not okay and Anyway, and so then I felt super embarrassed and she left to go to sacrament meeting and I just went to my boyfriend. I'm like, oh my gosh, my mom didn't, is not okay with this. I feel so terrible. I've disrespected her home. I, we should just leave. We should just go back to Logan and just kind of, you know, I was so embarrassed about it. And so we started packing everything up and we were just going to leave uh, out of embarrassment. And then she came home early from sacrament meeting and she's, she's like, Kyle, can I come talk to you? And she said, when I got to sacrament meeting, the spirit was speaking so strongly to me that I needed to go back and apologize. And I was just like, what? And she said, yes, I shouldn't have gotten upset like that. And then we had this open conversation about it where, and, and I admitted to her, like, we were really embarrassed and we're just going to leave. But, be, but she got home just before we left and we were able to have this really important conversation, very open about how she felt about it. She shared her honest thoughts and I shared my honest thoughts saying, well, you know, most um, LDS couples here will date for like one or two months and then they'll get engaged and then married real quick. And for us, we're not legal at that time. We weren't legally allowed to get married. So for us, we just kind of felt like a partnership. And so we just felt like that that was okay at that point in our relationship. And, 
anyway. So that made more sense to her. And, and we came to an agreement that she would be fine with whatever I want to do outside of her home, but that I would respect her home and we wouldn't share a room if we were at my parents' home, unless we were married, just like, you know, all of my siblings. So, and it was such a good open talk that we had that I haven't really, I hadn't up to that point had that kind of talk with my mom. And so those kind of conversations are difficult. They can be super awkward, but they're important. Um, and if you don't keep an honest and loving um, door of communication open, then sometimes just out of embarrassment or just because, you know, they don't see life the same way you do, they'll just kind of go off and live their life without you. And then you'll have no say, you'll have no influence in their life. And I'm so glad that I had that influence from my mom because it kind of reminded me of the values that she had taught me. And anyway, it like helped me reevaluate, reevaluate my life at that time. And wouldn't have happened if it's it wasn't a great that, story. So. Great story. Thank mm -hmm. you. Reese, any thoughts along these lines? Um, I, I echo that just the open communication. I felt that after coming out, um, you know, I didn't want to overload my family with, with now the news that not only as is Reese gay, but he also is also dating. Um, and so for a couple months, I, I, I would go on dates cause I lived by myself at the time and I would go on dates, but I wouldn't ever like post pictures or talk about it or anything like that. And then finally, um, I believe it was my sister, um, text me and said, Hey, if you're dating someone, you know, we'd love to know. And, um, and it wasn't in like a, we want to be in your business. It was a, you know, we, we want to be a part of it. We want, you know, to, to share in that experience with you. And, so then I think by that time, I don't know if I was dating Kyle yet or not, but, um, but that was nice to be able to feel like I didn't have to hide that part from me. So, uh, I don't think, I don't think you, there are, are principles and behaviors of, of dating that, that are important regardless of, of who you're dating, the respect, the safety, the, you know, just the overall concept of dating, um, that I feel that parents can encourage if they, if they're concerned about their son or daughter or child, um, dating someone of the same gender, uh, and they want to kind of hover over that, just maybe I would recommend just, just encourage those same safety principles, the respect, the dignity, the, the honesty, um, and transparency that, that are just good dating practices in general, regardless of whether it's to someone of your gender or not. I love that. I love your sister's text to you. We want to be a part of that. And I love that you knew that wasn't from a, a judgment standpoint. Or a nosy place. Yeah. A nosy. I like that word, Reese. It was because she cared. And she sort of said, I, my relationship with my brother and the things that are important to him are important to me. And so I want to be aware of that. And it sounds like your whole family. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've shared this story before. We went to my own high school 40th reunion this summer. And, you know, at the end of the reunion, they show all the people that have died. And Dave Sisom was somebody that I thought was gay in high school. I never knew how to I never was really close to him. I never obviously could ask them about that. And 
you know, he went to a big metropolitan city. That was kind of the only path. And he got AIDS and died. And I think he got AIDS and died. And he was not there at our 40th reunion. And I just recognize, I wish he would have been, you know, because mm-hmm. he had such a talented man with so much to give. And I found his obituary recently and just read what he did after high school that I didn't know about. And and so I recognize the path that now it's available to you two men. Um, and so, you know, you're not, you're just making thoughtful, I don't want to say Dave didn't make thoughtful decisions. It was just, you know, and I don't, I'm not being critical of his family or anything like that. It was just less, there was just less pathways available for gay members of society to move forward in a really healthy way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I recognize there's a lot of gay people in our church that are staying in our church. So this isn't a podcast sort of inviting everybody to follow your path, but it's a podcast of trying to bring stories to everybody's stories so people can make really thoughtful decisions. Mm-hmm. And some people from just a hope perspective need to hear stories like the two of you, because it does give hope that there's a future. I, I think we all recognize if a young person's choosing between suicide or or this road, this is a better road. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be pretty overwhelming mm-hmm. to be facing a lifetime of, of being alone. Mm-hmm. And that can lead to really dark, dark places as you guys, um, maybe you didn't ever get to that point, but you certainly know these stories and can empathize with others that have. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on that before we move on? I want to talk about your parents and your your marriage, but any um, thoughts on that? This one last, just from the very last thing that you started saying is that, um, I guess, and it's probably because of how I received the answer to my prayers. I really, and this is my very sincere belief. I believe that every single person, um, if they seek out answers from God will receive the personal revelation that he has for them. And I don't think that any one path is the only path or the valid path for everyone. Um, and I like, I strongly believe that if a person says that God has told them they need to stay in the church and be celibate, that that is their, where God wants them and that that's what will make them the most happy. Like I'm, and same with a gay man who gets married to a straight woman or vice versa. Um, I just feel like whatever people feel like where God wants them is where they should be. That's how I personally believe it. And Reese is nodding his head and yeah, in agreement. Oh yeah podcast. Um, <laughs> Kyle, that's a really thoughtful statement because as I've stepped in this space, I've recognized that, um, you know, my story is the heteronormative story. So it's easy to support my story. It's, you know, it is the norm. But then I recognize the maturity level of what you just said, because it would be pretty easy to sort of, because you feel this is right for you, that want to draw everybody into this same path to somehow validate that this is the right path. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a sign of your spiritual maturity and just your maturity overall that you're not saying that you're honoring other paths that LGBTQ people make. Mm -hmm. I've got a podcast out there today of a guy who's, wrote 20 resignation letters, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh, returned missionary, and just felt like he is going to stay in the church. Really? Uh-huh. And, um, but there's some people kind of on him about that. And mm-hmm. you wouldn't be two of those guys. I mean. Mm-mm. No, not at all. And so I recognize the maturity of that. And I think we have to honor everybody's story that's LGBTQ. And 
I thought all those mixed orientation marriages blew up, you know, mm -hmm. and I've done enough podcasts with people in those marriages to recognize there. Some of those are beautiful love stories, mm -hmm. but they'd be the first guys to not say, take, don't take my story and impose it on others. Mm -hmm. um, exactly. And don't weaponize it as a term some people use. And so I think that's part of, so that, uh, that was really thoughtful what you said. And you're, that's coming from a position of, of great, just peace about where you are mm -hmm. and your own path without sort of having to justify your path by pulling down all the other paths. Yeah. The, the guy that I went to journey into manhood with is still a very, very dear friend of mine. And he's married to a woman and they have, they have their third child on the way right now and they're so happy and I'm just so happy for them. And you're so like, happy I'd, for them. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. I don't feel like anybody needs to live any certain way. So, but that's just how I feel. <laughs> that's great. That's very, very thoughtful space to be in. Uh, talk about, so looking at our time here, t I'm going to skip, you guys found each other and decide you're going to get married. Mm -hmm. um, talk about um, just letting your, uh, how did Reese you talk about first about, you know, your decide you're going to marry Kyle and just talking to your parents. Um, so Kyle, well, maybe they kind of knew it was happening because you just were with Kyle and were aware of it. <laughs> well, uh, Kyle proposed on on New Year's at midnight. It's Reese's favorite holiday. My favorite holiday. <laughs> um, and so I, yeah, and... I'm too old to be asleep. I'm always asleep <laughs> now, but keep going. No, I... Um, it was very romantic, very thought out, and it was a, it was a fun... It was a fun night, Um but immediately after I said yes to his proposal, uh, I said, do my parents know you're doing this? <laughs> and, uh, and he said, yeah. And, and we talked about it. And so after kind of the, the jitters all died down, he, he did tell me that he, a uh, few days before had went and talked to my parents, not particularly asked for permission, but said, you know, this was the path we were, we were heading down and that we, we had intended and talked about together. Um, I'm sure he'll tell you how absolutely <laughs> horrifying that was. But then, you know, that, you horrifying. know, and, and when, when you get <laughs> engaged, of course you want to, uh, share in that moment with, with all of your loved ones, you know, and, and a, it was at midnight and, and again, my parents aren't huge, you know, party animals for new year's either, but, um, but I did call them and, and their response was, you know, are you happy? Come on over tomorrow and we'll talk, you know? And, and so we did and, and they, they were, they were pretty vocal about, you know, we don't, we support you as our son, but we don't support gay marriage. Mm -hmm. um, and that was kind of a common theme all the way up through the planning of our wedding, even up to about the week or two before our wedding mm -hmm. and they yeah. sat us down and, yeah, and they again us over and ask, yeah, reaffirmed that, um, that they, they love us, but they aren't for gay but, marriage. Yeah. Like, um, we, we love you guys, but we don't love this. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I think your mom's words were. <laughs> so our, our wedding day was Which actually, is probably what I'd say as a parent too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, they, I, I admire my parents and the fact that they, they 
participated and uh, fully in in our wedding, I could tell that our wedding day was an extremely difficult day for for both my mom and my dad. And it was it's it was so interesting because um, they almost reversed roles. My dad was kind of very like this is great. We're happy. Let's do this kind of. And my mom was a little more hesitant. And then wedding day, my mom was a little bit, a little bit more relaxed, but my dad was very uptight. And I, um, I was gonna say, I thought my dad was a bishop at the time, but he wasn't. That was, that was more when I came out anyway. Um, so yeah, my wedding was, uh, uh, our wedding was a very, very challenging day. Um, and it's evident in, in photos and and video that was taken that day but but they were there and um they participated and and i think and i'm making an assumption here but i think when they saw the amount of support kyle and i received on our wedding day i think that may have been a bit of a turning point for them realizing that there are this many people that can uh, first of all, very, you know, active LDS people, mm-hmm, lots uh, of them attending. Came. I mean, it was a standing room only wedding. Our photographer took, um, a panoramic of everyone who attended and, and it was, it was standing room only. Like we, we even ordered extra chairs the week before our wedding. Cause so many people RSVP'd, but even that wasn't enough. And I, and I think them seeing, again, this is an assumption, but seeing how much active LDS love and support was at our wedding um help them see that perhaps this is okay and they can be happy for reese and kyle what's your relationship with your parents like now reese i i absolutely love spending time with my parents as much as i can i um we actually live just about a mile down the road from them and we see them all the time and um I don't feel that Kyle and I, our marriage and position in the family is any different from um, my siblings and their spouses mm-hmm. in the family. Yeah, our pictures hung on the wall just like everyone else's and just, we're just part of the family. So, mm-hmm. Your thoughts on all this, Kyle? Um, I guess and your parents and... Yeah, I guess I'll start with the proposal just because that's where we started of talking to his parents. Um, I want to, you know, I wanted to, my big thing has been, you know, keep family close, keep family close. That's so important because, you know, I, I've seen how important it is for family to keep LGBTQ family close. And I very much believe in this statement, um, be the change you wish to see in the world. And so, well, if I want my family to stay close to me, I need to stay close to them. You know, if I want Reese's family to stay close to us, then we need to stay close to them. And so, um, I wanted them to be involved with the whole wedding planning thing or, you know, with the proposal. And I knew that they weren't going to be happy about it. And so I didn't go in saying, I want to get your permission because I didn't want to put them in a position where they need to give permission or their blessing. You know, I just didn't want to go there because I felt like that wouldn't be very fair to them. And so I just met with them and told them what we were doing and said, you know, I'm not like asking for your permission. I just wanted to let you know and, and have any kind of questions or have a discussion about it and let, so that we can openly and honestly talk about any concerns and stuff like that, but that we very much want them in our lives still. So that's really important to us. 
And so, you know, they were open and honest about their thoughts and feelings of a lot of thoughts and feelings and asked me some questions and just about, you know, our relationship and what our plans are and everything. And, um, they were honest about how they felt and it was good. I felt like, you know, keeping that honest, open communicate line of communication and, you know, being mature enough to not let it get so personal that it offends each other, you know, just to realize that that's where they, that's the space they are. And this is the space I am and recognize that. And it was really good. So scary, yeah. awkward, but it was good. That's, that's a conversation <laughs> I've never imagined anybody happening, let alone hearing it. That's a really unique, mm-hmm. but I give you credit for, um, keeping the communication channels open and the dividends that pays down the road for what you're doing to keep the communication channels open. Mm-hmm. How did your parents feel at the wedding? My parents were in a completely different space. They kind of were to the point where they were just wondering when I was going to find my future husband before I met Reese. And that's so, because they'd kind of maybe, I'm guessing one of the reasons your parents are in a different space is they've just known you were dating men for a longer period of time. Yes. Yeah. They were very much on the same path I was. We were kind of like together reality on the of path where this of is going. Exactly. Like... I was very like much keeping my mom updated on like the answers to my prayers and stuff like that. Like this is what happened. And you know, my dad helped pay for the journey into manhood camp. Like it was very much a together as a family journey. And so my struggles were their struggles. Um, their questions were my questions. And so um, by the time I started dating guys, that was where there was a little bit of, of a divide between us. Cause my, family started feeling really awkward and they're wondering, you know, what do we say to people, you know, now that you're dating men, like that was really uncomfortable at first, but then that started just making more sense to them. Well, of course, if this is how he feels, he needs to live his life. This is what he's going to do, you know? And so, and they got to the point where they just didn't feel bad about it anymore. And so they were just completely supportive and happy that I was finding somebody to share my life with. And, and so they helped me with the proposal. It was in my parents' front yard and backyard. It was like a pathway that Reese took around to the front yard with a bunch of little clues and things that I love about them. And and um, they helped me set up. They turned on the lights and launched the fireworks for New Year's when I when I knelt down. It was one of those proposals. proposals. It was, yeah, great. I'm kind of over the <laughs> top. But, <laughs> but yeah, and they took pictures and they were so excited for us. So they're in a very different space. The, and I think I've mentioned this, but both of your parents are active in the church. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Did you encourage them to leave the church as, as you kind of don't have a real path in the church and have stepped away? There's not, have you felt a need to pull them with you? Uh, no, I never like have a, I never had any sort of expectation uh, in that regard. Um, there, I have had moments of, of frustration, um, when, when perhaps like a, a general authority will say something, um, that can be construed as a little bit exclusionary or, or unloving. Um, and, and I have to remind myself that they, they still sustain and support and love these people as, as their leaders, as their spiritual, their prophet and whatnot. And so, um, 
when we don't see things the same way, I do have to remind myself that that's, that's not my path anymore. That's still very much their path. Um, so I can't expect them to have the same reactions to those statements and announcements as I do. Well, I'll just be honest. I'm sure people, the, the crusaders that want to bring people out of the church probably won't like hearing this from me, <laughs> but I, I very much dislike the idea of trying to pull people out of the church. That kind of frustrates me. Um, mostly because I just, I feel like I would never want to pull some, someone from something that makes them so happy, even if they may be unaware, ignorant about a certain topic like LGBT issues, for example, and don't realize pain they might be causing other people. Like that's something that they can learn about and get awareness of and become better at. But as far as their relationship with the church, I, I just don't like the concept of pulling people out of it. I feel like you know, that's where they belong and I need to respect that and love them where they are. So I like both those answers. Um, I think one of the things that I have, that I try to do as a active Latter-day Saint is realize the pain that at times our LGBTQ members feel. And, and to me, it doesn't, it doesn't, if I honor, and we talked before we went live of some of the painful experiences you've had and, and I've learned to honor your pain doesn't mean I'm selling out my church <laughs> mm-hmm. um, or that I have to choose between supporting my leaders and and disavowing your pain, if I said that right. <laughs> In other words, I, as a, I, I, it's okay for me to hear about your pain and validate your pain mm-hmm. and recognize things that at times that are very difficult, even if I don't personally experience those or fully understand and I just think that's a principle of effective ministering is to understand other people's pain and to hold that pain. Mm-hmm. And I love the grace you give back at times, the grace you gave to your parents. Reese, it's awfully kind, you know, just what you said is you recognize that you don't, you don't want to make this experience that they love not as happy for them by reminding them, all the time about something that can be difficult for you. I think it's fine to have a conversation at times that that conference talk was really difficult for me. But I think if you're somebody that stepped away from the church um, and there's people in your life that are in, I think you've got to find a balance at times where to have a conversation at times when it's appropriate, but also to honor that the, the feelings that they feel there that are wonderful for them. Mm-hmm. Um and it's somewhat similar to the principle you just shared, Kyle, about honoring every path LGB, every LGBTQ person wants to take. Mm-hmm. There's some similarities between both of those concepts that I think are a sign of just maturity um, and a sign of honoring everybody's personal journeys. Um, but it takes a lot of talking about this to sort of figure it out. Um, right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, I don't know what I would have done if I were your parents. You know, I think I know what I'd do now, but if I were just new to the space, I don't know what I'd do. And I, th- it probably is a journey for parents. You know, if your parents were here, they could share this firsthand, but I, it probably is the stages of grief to some extent about your original expectations for your child and the reality. And it sounds like, Kyle, your parents, when your engagement came along, were just further around that. Acceptance, I think, is one of the last stages of... I don't like to call it grief. It's just maybe reprogramming to the realities of the situation and mm-hmm. changing your original dreams to new dreams. Yeah. Um, and, it, it, and, I, I, I do want to share that. I feel like my, 
my parents have come light years yeah. in these past little, you know, these past few years. Um, we invited my parents to attend the affirmation conference two years ago, uh, and they attended, um, and and they they had a, a good experience. They they good. really enjoyed it. Um, and this past year, uh, we went with them, and I felt that that was important that we went with them to kind of like make sure we were there to answer any questions. Cause even myself as, as a gay person attending affirmation for the first time had moments of being overwhelmed. But, um, but then just this last year, you know, my mom messaged me and said, dad and I are registered for affirmation and Kyle and I had elected not to go this last year, but my parents, you know, of their own free will and by no invitation from me attended affirmation and, and had an equally um, positive experience there. Uh, my mom wears her little pride and rainbow bracelets and, and has her mama dragons apparel and her, she wears her peculiar shirt every chance she gets, I feel like. Um, and it's not just when she knows I'm coming over, but, uh, <laughs> and it, I, I'll text Kyle, I'll text my brothers and be like, mom's wearing a rainbow shirt you know it's, to me it's almost surreal to think how far my um my parents have come and it's it's to me really cool my dad is currently in the bishopric of his ward and and we attended the the sunday meeting where he was set apart and cool. the stake leadership asked him to introduce his family that was there mm -hmm. and Everybody he introduced their family yeah he in and my dad you know Introduce this is my son Reese and his husband Kyle inside a chapel. Um, at, at What's your dad's very, and mom's first names? Uh, Kenton, Maryland. Yeah, Kenton, Maryland. Yeah, and and you know, I was a little nervous about how my dad was going to approach that, but he just did it with a smile on his face as if there was nothing wrong with it in the world. So to think back to those formative, like those I get formative, I guess, coming out days, the wedding days, the the pre and post wedding to where we are today. Um, I feel super blessed and fortunate because I know not everyone gets that um, outcome that I currently enjoy. What a tribute to Kent, Maryland. Mm -hmm. What are your parents' names, Kyle? Hugh and Margaret. Hugh and Margaret. Mm -hmm. I love this story of Hugh and Margaret helping you on your engagement. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah my siblings. What was it? My brother-in-law and sister-in-law like kept it Reese in the basement while I, while we were getting it all set up outside and he's like, it's already midnight. It's getting past midnight. They were <laughs> like, we're supposed to celebrate New Year's. <laughs> the countdown's gone. And they're just like, Hey, let's play another round of basketball. <laughs> let's keep going. So yeah, it was fun. Just, they were very much involved. If I can find it, I'm going to read a tweet that, um, see how quickly I can find it. Hang on here, listeners. Here it is right here. Let's don't question active LDS parents' commitment to the church if they support their LGBTQ child who feels their path is to step away from the church. And the thing that I've noticed, the thing that I get really tender about is parents like Kent and Marilyn and Hugh and Margaret that then feel... Um, from their faith community judgment for supporting you the way they've supported you. And that can, I've seen that lack of support or the judgment they may feel for keeping the family circle together in their congregations be difficult that some have left. 
over left the church over that. Um, and so I, I love what your parents are doing in a way. We're having the four of your parents on this podcast a little bit um, through you and what they're doing of, I love this story of your dad being set apart in a bishopric Reese. And you, I love that you and Kyle were there. And I love that he just introduced you and, and said, this is my husband, this is my son's husband, Kyle, hmm. not partner, not friend, husband, and no shame. And the fact, and the shame that could have created in you if he didn't acknowledge that, um, because if he feels shame about you, then you might self-internalize the same feeling about you. Right. Mm -hmm. That was that was a very, very cool moment for me. And I was very impressed. And he didn't so. sell out our doctrine to do that. It's not like he he compromised our teachings or our doctrine or anything to do that. He hasn't crossed a line at all. All your parents have done is is what we teach in our church, is to keep the family circle together, to love. It's what Christ taught over and over again in his parables, is exactly what your parents are doing. And I I think a lot of LDS parents don't quite know how to navigate this space. There's, you know, we just, that's why I like the McIntosh's book that's come out of Becky and Scott McIntosh supporting mm -hmm. their son, Sean, and his husband, Carson, who's been on a podcast and just treating that wedding like they're straight kids. And I love Becky McIntosh's line, you know, we're welcome, anybody and everybody's welcome in our home. We're just going to leave this at the Savior's feet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love those examples. I love the engagement and I love the bishopric setting apart. Other thoughts you two good men would like to share? Um, well, earlier you asked if, you know, we had any advice for parents whose children come out. And, and while Kyle was sharing, I did think of you know, what, what would I say to parents? And, and I, I did think that when a child comes out, regardless of how, how old they are, the parent's going to have so many questions, so many questions. And I, and I guess my, my words of advice would be to, to be okay, not knowing the answers right away, because chances are your, your child also doesn't have all the answers yet. They had just, you know, in coming out, they probably just did the scariest thing they've ever done. And, um, and in a way coming out is, is opening up, like, come on this journey with me. And it's not a, it's not a, a blanket statement of I'm sure of everything. It's just, I'm opening up myself to you. And because I, I love you and I want you to be a part of that for, um, with me. Um, I still, I mean, I've been out for, for coming up on five years now, and I, I still don't think I have all the answers to, to all the questions that people may have that I may have myself. I'm still working on that. So I, yeah, like I said, you know, don't expect all the answers, you know, or say, let's find the answers together. Great. Kyle, any final thoughts from you? Um, right along the lines of what Reese just said of, of making it a family journey, not an individual journey. Um, that is really what's kept us close. My mom, she, my parents did a 
for interviewed for a video on the I'll walk with you um, page, the website. And or they, my mom in that video mentions about how me coming out kind of brought our family closer together um, because suddenly, um, I don't know, I have an, an older brother that has special needs and growing up with him, it was always kind of rallying together to love him and support him. And so now with me having this experience, it was kind of like the same thing, somebody to take care of somebody to, to hold close, um, where a lot of families don't hold people like that close. And so that's what, what the first thing I would say is just please keep the family together. It's so important. You don't realize the dark paths that your kid might go down. Um, if they don't receive that, if they don't stay in the family circle, um, that basically leaves them very vulnerable to all kinds of horrible things out there. And two would be for basically everybody, both LGBTQ people and LDS, um, straight people would be to, um, treat people the way you want to be treated and remember that if you want to see change, be that change. That's the quickest way that you can create that change is to be that change first. So it's great. We'll conclude. We are so grateful to have Reese and Kyle Jacobson. You both have the same last name. Just tell us, tell us quickly how that came about. So Reese's names, last name is Jacobson. Originally mine, it was Howard. And it wasn't really important to Reese to have the same last name, but it was important to me because <laughs> for me, I'm like, well, if we have kids, like what's their last name going to be? And I didn't really like the idea of hyphenating names because we both have kind of long names like Howard Jacobson that would just kind of be long in my opinion. And, but Reese already had an established career as a school teacher, an elementary school teacher. And so, and I was still going to school. So I thought, well, okay, then I'll be the one to give up my last name. <laughs> it's kind of a different experience because I'd never thought that, that would happen. But <laughs> I thought it'd be kind of tricky for Mr. Jacobson at school to come back from the summer break as Mr. Howard. So, <laughs> yeah. And that's just the nature of the road you're on is, mm -hmm. you know, you're having to, you're just making these decisions as you go. So mm -hmm. Reese and Kyle Jacobson, thank you for joining us. Kent and Marilyn. Um, thanks for helping us know how to parent and do, a, we know you haven't been perfect, but I love what you've done here. And I love Reese's that he just loves coming to your home and Hugh and Margaret, thanks for what you've done here with Kyle and, and the family close. And I know your cousin TJ, who was a YSA and when I served um, your first cousin and what a good man he is. If TJ, if you're listening, you're one of the best men that, even though I'd only got to know you for a short period of time, sure, a good man. But thank you, our listeners, for joining. Please go out and rate our podcast. If you, on your platform, it helps get more listeners. And we appreciate all that are listening to try to do better and follow the counsel of Christ to love everybody and bring everybody into the circle of the family. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love. <laughs>